Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Uh, this is Steve Kramer, Assembly of God missionary, City Serve, his wife Julie and their two kids over there. And uh, Steve and Julie, I contacted him just a couple weeks ago, and I said, Steve, would you be willing to come to the church and share. We've been making connection. Uh, Steve is from the Northwest and uh, from the Seattle area. And actually, we have a mutual friend in uh, Nick Baumgart. And he actually was working with my, my niece, Adrian, up there. And Steve has a wonderful ministry. I want you to hear his heart. I want you to hear his testimony. Um, and uh, this, for the next three weeks, we're going to be actually uh, just emphasizing um, the importance of us spiritually, of us personally, being involved in missions, bringing out the word of God to other locations, uh, not just foreign, but right here at home as well. And I want Steve to share his testimony. And will you guys give him a great big round of applause? Good morning. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Pastor Tom. How many of you love your pastor? He said, how many of you love your, your pastor? No one clapped. I don't understand. <laughs> Whew, thank you. Oh, it's so wonderful to be here. I don't know about you guys, but isn't it good to be in the presence of God? I wasn't really against watching services online in my pajamas, but man, there's just something about being together in the presence of God. We pulled into the parking lot yesterday. I told your pastor, this might be one of the most beautiful churches we've ever been to. And so sometimes when you see a beautiful building, you think, can the people possibly match the beauty of the church, to be honest with you? And you guys have been so friendly today. So kind. Thank you. Thank you for partnering with us. You're going to hear a little bit of our, about our ministry. I, you did hear about my best friend Julie over there, my son Case, who already is bored of my message and is leaving. Are you checking a sports score for me? How are the Rams doing? No, they're later today. <laughs> NFL football playoffs. Big, big, uh, we need to pray for my Rams today and for your Seahawks. They need, they need, they need a better draft pick, better quarterback. <laughs> Well, we'll talk about that later, but to better understand our ministry, uh, you got to understand my story. See, when I was born, I was born three pounds, two and a half months premature. Doctors came in. They told my parents that if I even survived the night, that I would never be productive, never walk, never have a family. And it was a little touch and go because... My dad told me that in the 70s, to keep me breathing, they tied a string around one of my toes in the premium ward, and they'd pull on it to keep me breathing. Oh, man, I thought the 70s were just bad for disco, and apparently the medical technology uh, wasn't any good either. But, you know, I grew up in a wheelchair, spent many, many months at Shriners Hospital in San Francisco, even went to school there, body casts up to my neck, surgeries. Got bullied at school, kids throw rocks, hit me in the head. I remember one day, I'm, it's one of my proudest moments, Pastor. I don't know if it should be as a missionary, but this kid would always throw rocks at me. Like, my name's Steve, but I don't want to be Stephen, you know what I mean, from Acts. I don't want to be the first martyr. And I saw him sitting on a wall, and I was in kindergarten, and I just went up and cold-cocked him, and he fell over the wall. It was like a six-foot drop, and I got in trouble. But I didn't get suspended because, you know, I was handicapped, so they had a little pity on me. <laughs> I still think on that moment, that was my boxing career right there, the beginning and the end. 
Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. According, and we forget this part, according to his power at work within us. In Ephesians and Romans it says that that power is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. I got some good news for you this morning. It doesn't matter what 2020 brought. doesn't matter what 2021 brought. We have that same power today that lives inside of us. The resurrected power of Christ. Amen? So now about a little bit of our ministry. We're working as Assemblies of God, U.S. Missionaries to the Vulnerable, and CityServe National Directors for the Vulnerable Initiative. CityServe is a new collaborative missions network across denominations that is really geared towards inspiring and resourcing the local church to impact areas of society that we typically haven't done a good job. The addicted, the orphan, the widow, the prisoner, the vulnerable. We have 10 initiatives. We're the vulnerable. And you might say, Steve, who are, who are the vulnerable? Don't we all feel a little more vulnerable after the last couple of years? I mean, look at us. I'm still getting busted for forgetting to wear my mask. People change. I have this little mobility scooter, and, and people get aggressive about the mask, you know? This one lady chased me down, 40-yard dash, choom, you need to wear your mask. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. You know, you feel vulnerable, right? But the vulnerable for us are special needs families. Did you know that one in six people in the world, one in six people in the world are considered disabled? It's over a billion people. If you put all those people together in one country, it'd be the third largest nation in the world. And by the way, absolutely one of the most underserved and unreached people groups. The poorest of the poor. Those with mental health challenges. Oh, you don't have to tell us about that, do you? I've had some of my own in my life. Life gets stressful. I don't know if you know this, but 48% of Americans will have a mental health crisis in their lifetime. 48%, so half of us in this room. At-risk youth. We know about that. I've been doing assemblies around Southern California. Suicide prevention weeks. Just trying to infuse hope into the schools. And then lastly, pregnant mothers and the unborn. We have groups that we help, plug-and-play models that we help churches. You know what's beautiful? I'm, I'm strongly for pro-life, obviously. But what's beautiful at these groups, we have people that come that have abortions. And I don't see in Scripture any difference of God's grace and power to reach somebody who's had an abortion, somebody who's thinking about abortion, somebody who just had a baby. So we're ministering all along the sphere of society. And we're so grateful for what God's doing. And here's, here's the thing that just really touches my heart. You guys never met me before. Pastor never met me before. I know Nick Baumgart's a great guy, but, you know, and that's a great connection. But you guys had never met me before. And you guys started supporting us in the mission and the vision to reach the most vulnerable around the world. So we're working in areas of Ukraine, special needs orphanage. Believe it or not, I don't know how it happened, but I'm working with the Los Angeles Rams, SoFi Stadium, Hollywood Park, and we're trying to, it's funny how God works. I've been a lifelong Rams fan. I was, 
I grew up in Southern California, then moved to the Northwest, so those roots stayed with me. But it's just interesting because I was explaining to SoFi Stadium how they could really, local churches and CityServe could be a blessing to the ADA, the disabled fans. You know, there's like a thousand of them that come to games. And on the call, and, and I didn't even mention anything about Jesus, but the lady goes, she goes, you know, I, I don't know if you're religious, but I just feel a presence on the Zoom call. You know, and their hearts are starting to, what kind of world are we living in? You know? Now, if they only just win today, beat the 49ers, all will be right. But I'm probably going to make a lot of football references today. So God is good, isn't he? Before I was a missionary, I was a CBS News anchor reporter. I wanted to be a sportscaster. And so I know a little bit about videos. I thought today the, some of the best way to tell our story is through video. So we're going to have the audio guy back here, the legend, roll that video, and I'll be back after these commercial messages. It's kind of a difficult one for me to show because it makes me f feel so vulnerable. And so sometimes I'll ask Julie, I say, Julie, you know, can I, can I show another video, like some highlight, you know, how good looking I am, smart, intelligent, you know, and it's humbling. But the reason why I show it is this, is that I know there are some people in this room today, you're going through those moments like I did along that riverside, and it feels so dark. I was just talking to my wife last night about how we met, and it's a really miraculous story. A story that if I, if I had time to tell you, it would, it would, almost, it would seem impossible. Like the, the odds of that happening when it did. And I can't tell you that I had like always on those difficult times like an absolute assurance that God's promises would come true. I just had a strong desire. But you know what I did do? I kept hanging on. Clinging to the promises of God. And a lot of times the clinging was through tears through sobbing, through 2 o'clock in the morning, just going, God, you know, not just about that, but even, even saying, God, if you're a good God, then why haven't you healed me completely? That's a message for another time. But I want to encourage you today. Hang on. Hang on in 2022. You know, maybe turn the TV off. Man, if it gets to you too much, walk outside, get a breath of fresh air. Hang on. God is faithful. God is faithful. You know, I, I'm a unique person and that I really believe that this season that we're coming through has, is really, now, now hear me out here, but it's really kind of a gift. And you know what? I just lost this last week. So I know the realities and the pain and I don't diminish that one bit. But this season, I believe, is a gift because it's given us a new perspective, a fresh vision. But in order for it to be a gift, we have to be equipped. We as the body of Christ have to be ready. We have to be positioned for it. And today I'm going to talk about missions. You know, it's funny when you come in to talk about missions, sometimes people go, oh boy, here we go again. I remember we were at a big missions church once and our, our son was just a little baby and my wife was checking. I was supposed to speak that night and my wife was checking him into the nursery and the lady next to him is checking her kid out. And, she, and the, the nursery worker is kind of surprised. She said, why are, you, why are you leaving already? And she goes, oh, it's a missionary speaking. Boring. And my wife was right there. I'm glad she didn't tell me before the message. You know what I'm saying? But today I want to talk about missions. 
but a little different perspective. And I want to read what I believe to be one of the great missionary stories in the Bible that most people have never heard. The story of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. My dad was an Assembly God pastor for many years, and I remember he used to tell jokes about Mephibosheth just because it sounds funny, it's hard to say. I find that even pastors don't even know who Mephibosheth is a lot of times. Um, I was talking to a pastor a couple weeks ago, and he said, you know, I really like the message about Melphibosheth. And I thought that must be like his southern cousin, Melphibosheth, you know. <laughs> so we're going to look at 2 Samuel 9, 3 through 13. And to set the stage a little bit, Mephibosheth in this story was the grandson of King Saul, the son of Jonathan. And on the day that Saul and Jonathan were killed in battle, Mephibosheth was five years old, and the nurse who was taking care of him was running away from the battle, and she trips and drops Mephibosheth. What kind of nurse is that? But the problem is, he falls wrongly, and he becomes lame in both feet. Can I just say to you today that a question that I ask most of my probably 15 years, first 15 years, is why God? Why me? Why do I have cerebral palsy? Your word says you're going to heal me completely. It's not happening. Why, why, why? And I had to look like this. And I rode around the back of my parents' station wagon like this. I had a bad attitude. And then one day it hit me. This is getting me nowhere. This is getting me nowhere. Just like Mephibosheth, can I encourage you today that if you've been angry at God, bitter at God, struggling with God, whether it be years, weeks, months, or a day, let it go. Let it go. See, because it was nobody's fault. You could say the nurse, but not really. She dropped the baby. The baby's lame in both feet. In this passage we're reading many years later, King David, who's in his palace in Jerusalem, he goes looking for Mephibosheth. Verse 3, the king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, there's still the son of Jonathan, he's lame in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. Ziba answers, he's at the house of Machar, son of Amiel in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar from the house of Machar, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all that land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. 
And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. And you know, after reading this passage in my life, this is probably the second time I've done it without screwing up the name Mephibosheth. So I'm going to roll myself with a drink of water. I don't know about you, Pastor. I never know what to do when I take a drink of water. It's, it's like the most awkward thing. I need like one of those uh, like beer can kind of dispenser things that put it in your, you know, you just don't even have to worry about it. But then I probably lose my ministry credentials because. <laughs> so water in those beer cans, okay? But I believe we live in a time where we have to be missional and get outside the four walls of the church. You know, I, I just don't, I, I know that just about every pastor I know, even in Bakersfield, we go to a large church, it's not so large anymore because people just haven't really come back. And we're kind of at the point where we're kind of wondering if people are going to come back, to be honest with you. It's just the reality we live. It reminds me, we were missionaries in the Netherlands for 10 years, and it's reminding me more and more like that. We've got to get outside the four walls of the church. We've got to be missional. It was a nice idea before COVID, and we hope people do it. Now it's absolutely necessary if we're going to not just survive, because I don't think the kingdom of God is about surviving. I think it's about thriving. And I think this is our finest hour. See, missions isn't just for a select few. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have a privilege to be involved in God's mission. It's something to get excited about. Point number one today, and I want to talk about missions in the context of something everybody can do. Something everybody can do. As a missionary for the last almost 20 years, I've spent a majority of my time trying to get people trained, uh, resourced, inspired to make disciples, because that's what it's about, right? Go into all the world, make disciples. And it's one of the toughest jobs I've ever had to do because people just have a hard time with it. So I, I spent a lot of time thinking, how can we make this where everybody can do something? I remember we have a family member. It's a funny story. We talk about we were first missionaries and we were back on furlough. We were in southern Oregon. And we go to Starbucks. And, and um, this family member, we come back to their house. And she goes, how many people did you lead to the Lord down there? And I looked at her like, I just wanted a Starbucks. Get off my back. And, you know, you kind of feel like that sometimes. Like, oh, we're sending you. How many people have you saved this week? Well, here's the news today. We're all sent. Okay? So if you don't leave here today with a real good idea of how it works in your world, then I failed today. Inviting others to the king's table, and that's what we want to talk about. Inviting someone to dinner is like the easiest thing you can do as a missional person. 
It is a passionate, intentional pursuit of others because God has been good to us. It's that simple. It's that simple. How many people today would say that God has been good to you? Do you believe that today? If you don't have that question answered, then I would do nothing else in your life and focus on, I need to know God is good. I need to be assured that God is good. Because you're not going to get very far in life if you're not absolutely convinced he's good. When I got the news this week that my friend died, he's a year older than me, has a bunch of kids, love the Lord, and he died of COVID. And I watched his funeral last night online. And there's always that question, why? But I'll tell you what I don't wonder why about is, is God good? I settled that a long time ago. Why would King David, who had everything, all of a sudden say, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Why would he do it? See, I think David was so overwhelmed with the goodness of God. When he reflected on his life, he remembered there was this giant named Goliath who fell at his feet. And he knew he had nothing to do with it. God did it. He remembered God's faithfulness when he was running for years from King Saul and protected. What about his little tryst with Bathsheba that caused a lot of misery and pain? He remembered God's forgiveness for him. And I believe that David had to share the goodness of God with others. He had to share the goodness of God with others. That is missions. That's simply what missions is. I limp up on the stage today. My wife brings my stuff. She helps me. She does probably 99% of the physical stuff around the house. I just go around sharing the goodness of God. That's kind of my call in life. She supports me in doing that. That's what a beautiful picture. You guys support us as missionaries. And make it possible. I don't necessarily feel qualified. I don't play the keyboard like Brett. I'm not as handsome as Pastor Tom. I'm just sharing the goodness of God with others. Can, can you do that? Can you commit to doing that in the coming year? I remember when I was 12, I was in a wheelchair. Kind of a long story, but my dad worked for the railroad in Southern California. This is how we got to the Northwest. And he came home one day, I was in junior high, and he said, big news has happened, and I thought, oh man, mom's pregnant again, because we had a lot of brothers and sisters. <laughs> he said, I'm getting called in ministry, so long story short, we go to a place called Northwest College, Butterfield Chapel. I sneak in with him as a prospective student, he's in his early 30s, a guy by the name of Rich Wilkerson is speaking, and he says, if God were to call you to go anywhere in the world, would you go? I was in a wheelchair, and God said, go Go. I knew I had to go, even though I couldn't walk from here to the first row of chairs. Because of God's goodness. See, missions is a passionate, intentional pursuit of others because God has been good to us. Today, I want to ask you, how's your heart for God's mission? Perhaps you're feeling unworthy, distracted, disappointed. Apathetic, that's okay. But can I encourage you 
You're doing the right thing today by getting in the presence of God. There are times I don't feel like preaching, and then I get in the presence of God, and I'm ready to go. So once we're reminded of who God is, the mission becomes clear. Point number two this morning. Inviting others to the king's table is a radical, radical invitation of grace. 2 Samuel 9, 3 and 4 says, Ziba answered the king, there's still a son of Jonathan, he's lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he's at the house of Machar, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Did you know that Lodabar means place of shame or middle of nowhere? So not only is Mephibosheth lame in both feet, which in that culture meant you had no future, He also comes from a place of shame, the middle of nowhere. Some of you today perhaps feel like you come from a place of shame, the middle of nowhere. And here's David. He's going against the grain of culture to reach him. See, this is the heart of Jesus, to love the unlovable. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be difficult, a labor of love, uncomfortable. But it's always worth it. It's always worth it. See, when you love like that, you're showing people a glimpse to another kingdom. And the church is the one place that everyone should feel honor. Everyone should feel honor. I remember right before the pandemic, I went to Great Clips to get my hair cut. And uh, it was weird because there was nobody in there at the time except two hairstylists, two ladies. I don't want to hurt one of their feelings by picking one or the other, so I eeny, meeny, miny, moe. I sat down in front of one lady. She starts telling me her story. She's a single mom, and she has two daughters. One is normal, typical. The other one has cerebral palsy, and she adopted them. What I have, cerebral palsy. And I knew immediately that the Holy Spirit set me up. She began to tell me her story, and I knew she was exhausted. She worked so hard to care for these two daughters, and she loved them equally. And I was praying in the spirit and just while I was talking to her, I was praying. I said, Lord, what, what do I, what could I possibly say to bring hope to this woman? And God spoke to me and said, tell her that she's a hero, that she's a champion. So I looked in the mirror, she's cutting my hair. And I said, you know what? The way you love your daughters, the way you give everything for them, you're a hero, you're a champion. And she immediately began to cry and tears began to roll down her cheeks. And the hairstylist next to us began to cry and tears began to roll down her cheeks. And there was somebody who came in after me and sat down in the chair and they're crying. And they were having revival and great clips. Like I didn't know this was possible. Looking through the book of Acts, no, it's not, no, no great clips there. It's that simple. That's missions. Where do you go every day? When we move into a town, whether it was in the Netherlands or I was a campus pastor at my old modern University of Oregon, go Ducks. Um, wherever I've been, I try to find some anchor points in the community and I try and go there as often as possible. And I just mingle with people. And I get to know them. And they start to come Christ. One of my favorite places to bless and talk to people is a drive through Because drive throughs are like the modern day, you know, they, they just don't get treated very well. They hardly get a thank you. They don't get paid enough. 
I love just going through and just saying, hey, what's your name? Where are you from? And getting to know all of them at a Starbucks. Or we have these coffee shops called Dutch Brothers that are taking over the country we like to go to. But just go where you like to go. It was going to a Rams game that had opened a massive door for me to speak into really Los Angeles. Because I like going to games. Can you imagine what life would be like if we just thought missions is just something who we are? We just go. Whether we're at the hotel, gas station. It is a radical invitation of grace, but it is not that difficult. I think that's why God drafted me to be a missionary, because you go, man, the guy can't even walk straight. And he's a missionary. I think I probably could do it. Can I be honest? Can I be real? That's how I feel. Some of you can run a lot faster than me, speed the light a lot faster. There's an AG pastor joke right there for you. Point number three and my final point, this is the all subtle hint for the worship leader to come forward and play some background music. You like I do that? Inviting others to the king's table, missions is a bold witness to the watching world. Is a bold witness to the watching world. I love the last verse of this passage. It says, And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. You know what's so great about this story? You know what's so great about your story, my story? Is that the story starts out, and the headline of Mephibosheth's life is, he's a cripple. He has no future. He came from Lodabar, a place of shame, the middle of nowhere. How many of you today walked in with some kind of headline over your life? Divorced. Unemployed. Abuser. Abused. Deceiver. But see, when you come to Jesus... The headline of your life becomes a footnote. And at the end of the story, see, I don't know why God doesn't remove all of our pain. I don't know why he just doesn't remove COVID from the earth. I, I, don't, I don't know why I still have cerebral palsy. I do like the parking at the mall. Very good parking. But other than that, but I can tell you this, that if you let him somehow, just like the song said, he, got, he just forms the clay. He makes something that was absolutely repulsive and he makes it beautiful. That's our God. That's Jesus. And I, th- I, I like to imagine being at this table, which by the way, we'll be at the table. If you know Jesus, you might be sitting next to Mephibosheth because there's a big dinner going to happen in heaven, marriage supper of the Lamb. And Mephibosheth will be there and we'll be there. But I like to imagine this table and if you've ever been to like a, you know, famous place, you know, everybody kind of puts on their best clothes. And, you know, so you walk into the king's palace and you're expecting to sit with dignitaries, famous people, people that you want to get their autograph, that you have their sports card in your collection. And you sit in a chair and you look down at this guy with shriveled legs, you're like, what? Wait, 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 what? How did you get in here? And not only that, 
He had a lot of friends. <laughs> Don't you love how the Bible put, like, by the way, there's 15 and 20, and it's going to be more than you bargained for. What a beautiful picture of the kingdom. See, when you reach the vulnerable, when you reach those around you, it is a bold witness to the watching world, and they bring all their friends. You're going to have to expand the table a little bit. That's what I believe for South Coast Christian. You're going to have to expand the table a little bit. I'm telling you right now, this church is way too small for the need that's around here. You're going to have to expand the table a little bit. So I want to ask you today, who's your Mephibosheth? Who's your Mephibosheth? Start with those closest to you, your neighbor on your left, neighbor on your right, people in your office. Quite often, people that are the most annoying people you know, add them to the list. I read this story a couple weeks ago, and I think I, I just, I love this story because nobody in here, if you follow Jesus, understand this, you're called to give, you're called to pray, and you're called to go. No exceptions. There's no exceptions. So I, I love this story because there was an Australian man named Don Ritchie. He lived across the street from the most famous suicide spot in Australia named The Gap. He lived there for almost 50 years. Can you imagine living across the the street from the most famous suicide spot in the country. Talk about ruining your home value. And it says that during that time he saved at least 160 people from committing suicide by striking up a conversation and inviting them to his house for tea. How many people like tea? I'm getting closer to 50, so it's turning into more and more green tea, mysteriously. But I hope you see that it's not really about the tea. It's about a guy who said, this can't happen on my watch. I have to do something. God has been so good to me. I can't watch people plunge to their death. I have to do something. And God has given me all the tools I need. Who's your Mephibosheth? If you close your eyes. I feel impressed by the Holy Spirit. I didn't know I was going to wrap up today. That's kind of, kind of typical. But I feel impressed today that there are two, two groups of people in this room today, largely. Number one. There's a group of people today that you came in here just dragging. We're, we're fortunate to have you today because you feel hopeless. You feel discouraged. You feel depressed. You might even feel suicidal. You might even feel suicidal. And I'm not going to ask you to come forward or anything like that, but I do want you to raise your hand so I can pray with you. Because I'm telling you, there's something just about raising your hand saying, Lord, I need you. I need God every day. Is there anybody in this room today that you, maybe you don't know God or maybe you've just lost hope or you need, you need God to do something in your life? Would you raise your hand today? I want to pray with you today. Let's see those hands. 
Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray for an infusion of hope today. You are a good God. We can trust you. You can use our pain. You're not done with me yet. You've got a future and a hope for me, Lord. I pray for my friends today that need an infusion of hope. And then secondly, I mean, if today, it's not a, I know I'm a visiting missionary, it's not to compel you to force you or make you feel guilty if you don't, but how many today genuinely feel like, regardless of what the last couple of years held, you really want to see people around you reach for Jesus. You want to be involved in God's mission. Would you raise your hand today? How many people want to be involved in God's mission? Amen. A lot of hands in this room. I thank God for that. I'm telling you, I believe that, and I've only been here once, and this could sound like something I say everywhere. I don't say this everywhere, but I have a strong feeling that you've got expansion coming, growth coming, a new day coming, but it's not going to be on the pastor's shoulder or on this worship team or any of the other leaders. It's all of us in together on this. Don't make it harder than it is. I go to this Dutch Brothers drive through coffee and I've met all 15 or so workers and they, they come, literally come run into the window. Steve, house case in Salem, Julie. Oh man, here's some free stickers, coffee, and throwing stuff at me. And, and if I could fit them all in my van, they'd all come to church with me next week. I guarantee you. Because I've invited them to the king's table, they don't even realize it. Just caring about them where they're at. Already pastoring them. They don't even realize it. Guys, this is fun. I, I cannot wait to be back here again in the future and see the growth and see what God's doing. And, and I, again, can I just say thank you? Thank you for partnering with us. It was like a big missionary blind date. You partnered with us before you even knew what we looked like. And we're so thankful. We love you guys. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.